Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. From the Blogranogram Podcast Network, this is Barca Talk. I am Gabriel Quiroga here in Madrid, Spain, and with me from the UK is Craig McGuff. Craig, how are we doing, buddy? Yeah, really good, you? Yeah, hanging in there. You know, it's definitely, uh, with no snow, Craig, it makes a big difference here in Madrid. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got it coming tonight and for the next four days, apparently, so look at you. Well, we just finished watching the Barca game against Athletic Bilbao, and, you know, I just come, we want to get your immediate thoughts on this, so... What is something that jumped off of you watching this match, your first impression from this match? Two things for me, really. Number one, we, we seem to be less reliant on Messi in recent weeks. I don't know whether that's because he's been out with suspension and, and you know, a, a bit of tiredness and whatnot. So firstly, I, I'd say that's a positive, a definite positive. The second for me is that we've taken arguably our most influential player in Frankie de Jong, and we seem to completely nullify what he's been so good at in recent weeks. So that was a strange one from Kuman for me. So that's... That's the two big ones for me. How about yourself? Yeah, I think it was Dembele. I know you have your qualms about Dembele. I mm. think, you know, especially with this season, seeing him play the most games, you know, uh, up to date, essentially, in succession. Um, I think he's getting better. And, and the commentators here, when I was watching the match on Movistar, were just on it, you know, about how he was using his speed to make plays. But but still, Craig, he still lacks, as we always talk about, his decision making and ball yeah. control, you know. Once he gets those things, just if like 10% better, I think it's going to put him into another level because, you know, he has all the, the things that we want, you know, for a winger. You know, he has the speed. Yeah. Uh, he has the moves, you know, to do that. But it's just I think it, he's always trying to overthink all the plays. But to me, that was one play. And then also get, seeing Griezmann get the crucial goal tonight mm-hmm. on a really nice team build up play. Yeah, it was, it was a great goal. And I think... On Dembele, obviously, I've got my I've got my frustrations with him. I think he's definitely become a, a more a more clever player in lots of ways. What where my frustration lies is that the area that he should be best, which is getting beyond a defender and then doing something that causes us to either have a chance or a shot and goal or whatever, he seems to fail at that point, which I find very odd. So, for example, his pressing seems a lot better. He, his decision making in terms of playing the ball back inside or where to when to pick the right pass if we're congested seems a lot better. I just want him to run at players and do something. It seems like we can either get him running running at players or we can get him doing other things. We just don't seem we've put them both together yet. And I think if and when that happens, we'll have a very, very frightening player on our hands. But yeah, I think there's lots of areas that he is improving. I, I, I certainly wouldn't deny that. And then on the Griezmann one, it was nice tonight because 
you know, saying a player works hard is potentially one of the most frustrating things in football for me. It's a very British way of looking at it, which, you know, here in Britain, if you run a lot, people will give you the benefit of the doubt. And it's always baffled me. I think what's nice is that Griezmann works very hard and he covers lots of people's flaws defensively and with pressing and he really closes down gaps. So, yeah, to see him get that goal tonight, I was I was very happy for him. He's a player I like a lot and I do hope that he starts to, you know, show the form that made him going back. It's not even that far. A couple of years, he was one of the best forwards in world football. I'd love to see him get there again. So, yeah, I think a, 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 in many ways, a really pleasing night with a few glaring holes for me in terms of the of the pass marks, but all in all, quite positive, I would say. Yeah, I would say that too. You know, it's it's very positive, especially this week, you know, getting the victory in the Copa del Rey match against Real Vallecano and now with Athletic Bilbao, who has been one of the, the hottest teams in La Liga ever since Marcelino mm. took over. And, you know, they beat us in the Spanish Supercopa being more physical than us. And I think today, I don't know if, you know, playing at the Camp Nou gave us a more advantage with the referee calls with my favorite referee, La Jos, but, uh, you know, it really kind of dimmed down Athletic Bilbao's physicality today, I believe, you know, because there was a lot of fouls being called and I think mm. that kind of helped us in a way. But again, like you said, there's still holes and for me another hole that I want to point out is just Alba again he makes some good runs right like there's some good recovery runs he did in the first half but again I cannot fathom that he always is surprised by someone running behind him Mm. you know he is a back right and that's kind of one of the things that it's a given that someone is going to try to run behind you at all times to counter and again he didn't own goal but it was because of his lack of defensive awareness on that goal with Athletic Bilbao yeah he's a frustrating player isn't he because the things that jump out to me is, as you say, people coming across from your shoulder. Now, if I was to give him the benefit of the doubt, I would say, you know, again, playing centre half, you will have people run across you and you do rely at times on someone saying left shoulder, right shoulder, that's where you are. And if that happened once or twice, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. But that seems to happen far too often for me for it to be a, a communication issue with the rest of the, of the defence. Secondly, it, it's it's difficult because... If you look at his assists in, in in a Barca shirt, he'd be up there with some of the best midfielders that we've had. But if you looked at that as a percentage, it would make your eyes water, I think, in terms of how many chances he wasted. And tonight there was probably five times that he could have picked an easy pass and didn't. Uh, and then the, the final one for me, which I, I can't I can't abide at the best of times, is you make a mistake, you move on. It seems to me that Alba every time makes a mistake and remonstrates with the ref and causes bother. One, you look like an idiot. Two, it's not becoming of a professional footballer. And three, you're out of position. Take your medicine, get back in and act like the professional you are. How can we expect players like Minguez and Araujo to learn how to be a professional if we've got players like him that are constantly wittering on? And I think he was very lucky that, you know, Mateo Lajos is a guy who, you know, he he doesn't mind the limelight being on him. Should we put it that way? And yeah. I think he was very lucky tonight not to get a second yellow just for being a pest. So yeah, he's for me. He is the he is the the, the glaring weak link. I think we could have tossed a coin pre Christmas whether it was him or Busquets. I think sure. Busquets has settled down a little bit. I think improved might be might be the wrong word, but certainly reduced the errors. Uh, I think Alba now looks, he looks like a weak link. And the, the only benefit he has is that Junior Frapo looks worse. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the left-hand side is a, is a very is a very big issue for us at the minute, I think. For sure. And uh, like you said, we have a lot to digest in this episode. Let's get into some Barca talk this week. Today, in this episode, we're going to go over the Copa del Rey round of 16 game where Barcelona won 2-1 to one against Rayo Vallecano, as we talked. And also, we're going to discuss a little bit more about the Athletic Bilbao match tonight that happened in match day 21. 
So after the break, we're going to discuss a little bit about Frankie DeJong. We may have finally got the Ajax version that we always wanted. What has Kuman done to unlock his attacking and his latest run of goals? You'll find out. We try to give you a blend of critical analysis and love for Barca on this podcast. And we put even more of that in the exclusive content we share with our supporters on Patreon. Now we've unlocked some of our older posts on Patreon so you can see for yourself the extras that supporters get every week. When you support this podcast, you'll have access to that exclusive content the moment it's posted. Follow the link to join our Patreon community in the show notes. All right, so in the last games, Frankie de Jong has definitely become one of the most important and influential players for Barcelona. One of the things we looked at before Frankie came here was his last season at Ajax, and everyone was fawning over that because he had such a great Champions League run. We definitely saw that we could plug him into our 4-3-3 system. And now this past week, de Jong scored the game winner against Rayo Vallecano in the Copa del Rey. And really, I think Kuman has allowed him to go forward more often, you know, especially resembling that form that he had in Ajax. And I think also when he's paired with Busquets, I think that really helps because Busquets, you know, even though he's a little bit older, as we talked about, he's able to be the general there for defense purposes and let De Jong go forward. So let's let's break down his stats in the last games. I mean, what are you seeing, Craig, from Frankie De Jong in his last six games where he has scored four goals? It's been a really interesting watch. Uh, he's, he's obviously playing better. I think, you know, your, your eyes can tell you that he's, play, that he's playing better. But what, what I think is interesting is, is if you start to break down the numbers, which it, it's easy to fall into a trap of football being a numbers game. But with Frankie de Jong, actually, it's, it's really obvious what's going on. So positionally, he's actually not doing that much different in terms of what he was doing last season. His, his heat map looks very similar. If you look at the positions he's taking up on the pitch, they're often quite similar. What's startling to me is that if you look at the things that have improved, so we've got, for example, his goals and assists are obviously up from where they were last season quite significantly. Um, but it's the other things touches in the penalty area up through passes up. He's on course to have more progressive runs and second assists. So what that tells me looking at the numbers is that he's actually arriving into the box now. I think before he was trying to play almost that uh, that quarterback role, if you like. Uh, so, you know, things like his, his passes to the penalty area are down. Um, and I think what we're seeing is he's arriving at the right times now. I don't know whether that's been something that Kuman has specifically asked him to do or whether it's something that he's just maturing as a, as a player and as a Barcelona player specifically. But I think that's the real difference is that as well as, as well as doing the things that he's doing and has been doing well, winning balls back, taking positions, his turn is phenomenal around a player. He, he can very Iniesta like is that he can take a ball on a half turn swiveling. He, he can get things moving, but I think he was doing that well last year. But the big difference, if you look at the stats is that he's arriving at the box and he, and he's making it count. So there's definitely been a switch It'd be interesting to know whether it was something that Koeman's forced into Frankie de Jong's game or whether that's something he's done himself. But it's been remarkable, in my opinion, the change in him from last season. Yeah, so just kind of go over. In his last year of Ajax, he had four goals total. In the last seven games, he's had four goals and two assists. So obviously, you can see this is a career year already for him going forward. And I think that's a really good point that you brought up is that, you know, before he was always on the top of the box, trying to direct the passing from left to right and not really going through the box, essentially, right? And we saw in the Rio Vallecano match, especially on that assist, who was the player that came darting through? It was Frankie Dijon, right? I don't know yeah. if he makes that play 10 games ago, right? I don't. I think he's more conservative in that positioning. 
Let's say Messi leaves next season. Do you think that's going to give Frank Dijon more attacking opportunities through that middle? Because then he'll be able to not have, you know, Messi static in front of him? Yeah, potentially. Potentially. I think if this is the way that Frank Dijon wants to play and, and this is how he expresses himself, then then I think it's a, it's a good point to make. And, you know, time will tell, obviously. But the one stat that I think makes that line of thought really interesting is if you look at his second assist trajectory this season, it is very, very strong. And so what we mean by that is he is playing the pass that allows someone to play the pass that we score from. And the one person in world football that you would say is the master of that is Messi. He's effectively given Jordi Alba a career by by allowing Alba to be the person that gets the assist. And so if you look at that as a a new part of Frankie de Jong's game, I certainly didn't see it last season and the numbers were were poor last season for that for him. Uh, if that's a part of his game that he enjoys doing, then, then potentially he could be the person that takes over from Messi. But I just think what we're seeing is a is less forcing of the game from Frankie de Jong, whether that's forcing the ball into the box, those numbers are down and that's a good thing. Whether it's forcing himself into positions and getting caught out and getting yellow cards, uh, potentially. Um, but I just think that we're we're seeing a different Frankie de Jong. And I, I, I think when we signed him, certainly myself and I think potentially a lot of others saw him as the new Busquets. Uh, and the numbers last season would suggest that that's the, that's the player that we tried to get. However, the way I'm seeing him this year, the player that, that jumped into my mind when I was thinking about it was, was Sesk. So a player that, yes, could work backwards and was was a very good player at working backwards, but would give away some silly niggly fouls and, you know, would have to sometimes take one for the team and really came into his own going forward, breaking lines, linking play, um, kind of that hybrid number eight, number 10 type role. So maybe that's the case is that we don't have the new Busquets on our hands. We have the new Sesc on our hands, but I'm certainly liking what I'm seeing from him. Yeah, that's that's a good comparison. And I think, you know, especially in tonight's match, against Athletic Bilbao, I think he was definitely more conservative tonight just because of the opponent. I think he was just more cognizant of his defensive responsibilities. And especially, you know, we had just seen Athletic Bilbao in the Supercopa. So I think he was more cognizant of the physicality that they were pushing on him. So I don't think in tonight's match is a really good parent. But, you know, against the Rio Vallecano game, who's a second division team, I think you could really see the free-flowing play. And, And I don't know also if it's just a combination of him just not having that pressure anymore to just play. You know, I mean, that goes a long way when you can just... Just not think about your position and just enjoy playing football, right? And that's, you know, yeah. it could be a combination of these things. Again, I think it's more when he's paired with Busquets that he has this opportunity to be more free-flowing and going. Now, let's talk about his positioning. Now, you said you don't really see a difference between the heat map. The only thing I would say is just in the final third, just going through. But what about in, for example, is he coming deeper more often or is he just stopping beforehand because of the way Arahu's playing or he has Busquets to help him out. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't have any stats to back this up, but certainly anecdotally, I felt he made a lot of last ditch tackles last season. I felt that there was a gap that in recent weeks we haven't seen. If I'm honest, I didn't link that. I didn't link my trains of thought that actually with Araujo back there, uh, and I think I'm going to give Longley a lot of credit as well. They, they seem to have really showed, you know, shown the defense up. So potentially it is the fact that he can push on. Busquets seems to have, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I said at the, at the top of this segment that he's he's kind of reduced the errors and he seems a bit more sensible in what he's doing. He also seems to have calmed down a little bit and maybe that has allowed Frankie de Jong to push on. I think my frustrations with Busquets 
um, this season have, have stemmed from when, without being too harsh, he's tried to remember that he's a footballer and you're not anymore. Ultimately, with Busquets age, you're a, you're a custodian of a position and you're a custodian of a of a, a section of the pitch. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe the two things are symbiotic. Is that you know we we have a, a better triangle there between the two centre backs and Busquets that allows him to push on. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's, I think, you know, obviously it's a combination of the things, but I think the most important thing is that he's actually coming through now, right? We're seeing the benefits. We're reaping the benefits. If the middle wasn't as clogged, I think we would even see more opportunities for Frankie Dijon. And I'm not trying to push Messi mm. out the door just yet, but I'm just saying, you know, if, if Messi's not there and we have a traditional number nine, then all of a sudden there's, there's definitely more space where Frankie Dijon, Dijon can d- definitely exploit that and even have more goal scoring opportunities because he is talented. What do you think? On, the, on that point, and again, I've got nothing to back this up, but it certainly feels like the better De Jong's played, the wider Messi's stayed. And I actually think what you've seen is a more productive Frankie De Jong, in fact, a more, midf- a more productive midfield unit in general, but also a more productive Messi. Yeah. A Messi that seemed less desperate to get on the ball a Messi that seemed less like he's forcing it, much in the same way that we're saying Frankie de Jong is not forcing it as much anymore. And it almost feels like, and again, it would make loads of sense if this is the case, that the system relies on people doing their jobs. And that we just simply seeing players who feel confident that they can. And going back to the point that you made earlier, it, it, that probably stems from having a more stable defence, despite the fact that we've probably never had as much churn in that defence as we have in a long time. But... You know, if it, I guess it figures, doesn't it? If you're if you're comfortable as a centre midfielder that your defenders aren't going to leave you in, you know, in the lurch, then you're probably going to play with more freedom. If you're messy and you think that you know what, we can we can get these transitions of play working for me. I don't have to come and hunt the ball because De Jong or Pedri will find me. Then you would feel more confident staying in the position that you're in. If you're Dembele, then and you think everyone's on song, then yeah, you probably can be more confident not having to force it and be the superstar. If you're Griezmann, you can stick to what you're good at. So maybe that's what we're seeing is just that things are clicking into place. Players are more confident in the system and the style. And maybe, dare I say it, we've got to start giving Koeman some credit for getting these players playing in the way that they should be. For sure, for sure. I mean, again, you know, at times it just still looks disjointed. But as you said, Koeman has relied on the youngsters. He's changed formations. He's doing the things we're asking. I, You know, again, I think just the final thing that Koeman needs to do is just develop these players further, right? Just to coach yeah. them up and just get them playing even better. I think you and I both agree that we're really excited of the trajectory because this is the player yeah. we wanted. Since the injury of PK, Oscar Minguez has been called up to the senior team. Has he become Kuman's most versatile defender? We discuss that next. Welcome back to Barca Talk. We're talking about the midweek Copa del Rey game versus Rayo Vallecano and La Liga matchup against Athletic Bilbao. In tonight's match, Minguesa had the assist, which eventually became the game winner. And we really haven't had an opportunity to kind of break him down. Um, he's been getting a lot of playing time, obviously, under Kuman. And more importantly, is he becoming Kuman's most versatile defender? What say you? Yeah, very possibly. Very possibly. And I think... Uh, you know, the, the note you've got here is that, you know, it is either new Sergio Roberto. And before we get into Minguesa, I'm just going to put my cards on the table regarding Sergio Roberto. <laughs> so in order, the list of people in the world who I love the most, you've got my mother, my wife, my son, and then Sergio Roberto. And I make no apologies for that. Uh, the guy has given so much out of position. R- Roberto has effectively sacrificed his career for Barcelona. And I think Minguesa is of the same ilk in the sense of, We've thrown him into situations that really should have been too big for him. 
and he and every time he's answered he's answered the call. Is he the best player then in our club? Of course he's not, but he was never meant to be. Is he the best right back? No, because he's not a right back. Has he looked as good at centre half as PK? No, because he shouldn't have done. But what we've found is a player who, when called upon, has given us everything. In my time supporting Barca, we've always had these players in the squad that have given us much more than they should have done. If that's what Mingessa will be to this squad, then we're going to be very lucky to have him because, yes, he's raw. He's got some very rough edges that we need to kind of smooth over. But this kid was nothing special in Barca B going back at the start of the season. He wasn't someone that people were banging on the door saying we should promote. And yet he looks every bit a La Liga player. I mean, tonight, again, we've mentioned the physicality of, of Athletic. They are a hard team to play against. They are physical. They are quick. If you've got a weakness, they will find it. They're well-drilled, well-organized. They don't give up. They're very basque in their nature. Mm-hmm. If that's not being too um, stereotypical and it's meant as a compliment, if we have any basque listeners, it's certainly not meant as a negative. Um, and yet again, he he came up and not just with the assist, which was brilliant, but he was just solid all around. And I, I don't see his name on the team sheet and wins. Whereas we've got players that we've paid over a hundred million pounds and I see their name and I think, oh, here we go again. So he's a player that excites me and not because he's a Galactico, but because he's a workhorse. Yeah. And if, if we're going to have these these luxury players, we need as many main guesses as we need Pedris. I brought up this idea of this versatility and you know the comparison to Sergio Roberto because if you go from center back to right back, that's, that's pretty big shoes to fill, right? It's just as being versatile, right? You have to be quick on your feet. You have to understand your spacing, all that different things. It's just as difficult going forward, right, with the different things. And so I wanted to bring this up. So for me, the versatility is to be able to be above average on different positions on the defensive line, which is very hard to do, you know, very yep. difficult to do. I mean, just some numbers for you. I mean, he's played more minutes than Trincao and Pjanic this season. Now, I thought in the Rio match, I think maybe he hit the wall a little bit in that match. Just kind of, he didn't have one of his best performances. I know on a couple passes, he definitely skied one of those passes where you're just like, oh, I mean, guess you just need to put your head down. Mm. But for example, tonight he bounced back. Tonight he bounced back. He had a really good, strong performance. I also think playing athletic Bilbao, you know, three games ago in the Supercopa really prepared Barca for the physicality. And I think Mingueza had one of his better games, and especially on that assist. Now, let's let's dive into some of his passing. As we always talk about La Masia players, it's the technical ability that they have of first touch and then the passing ability. So let's dive into that. What what are your perceptions about him as a passer? I think he's as good as he needs to be. And, I, and for me, that's all I need. I think we've been, I'm not going to say spoiled because our system's depended on it, but, you know, we've we've looked at players like, like Danny Alves who and Jordi Alba, who, because they've got assists coming out of their ears, people think they're great cross of the ball. And I, I will I will stand by the fact that both of them statistically are terrible passes of a ball. How many passes do they waste? But you don't need to be a great passer of all the fullback. You need to get assists. If Mingessa plays 11 passes a game and gets an assist every game, he's a hero. He's a superstar. He's also a centre-half. And that's what we need to remember. So I think his passing is fine. And if we're talking about these these players as utility players, fine is all we need. Going back to your point about, about working across the line, working forward. If you can give me seven out of 10 every game, no matter where you play, I mean, guess if he can do that, it's worth more to me than Jordi Alba. Sergio Roberto is worth more to me than Philip Coutinho. Mm. Because they can give me, if they can give me seven out of 10 every time they play, we need that. So I think his passing is fine. I think his heading is fine. I think his positional sense is fine. And I will take fine. And I think tonight was a really good example of him 
learning the game, learning about being a professional, because that overlap, we haven't seen Junior Firpo do that in a, in a wee while. We have not. <laughs> if we're getting La Liga fine out of a player that was seen as Barca B fine six months ago, I'm a very, very, very happy man. Yeah, I would agree. And tonight was a very professional performance by Oscar. And I, that to me is, like you said, we don't see Firpo doing those overlaps. And more importantly, we don't see him convert <laughs> those overlap runs, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's in a moment of the match where Minguesa took that opportunity, saw the void, did the overlap, made a, a great cross to clear everyone in between the goalkeeper, and Griezmann was able to finish. And again, like you said, I think this is a really valuable thing about La Masia product is the versatility, right? The understanding of different positions and being a 7 out of 10, which is, as you know, playing is very difficult, right? I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. people just think it's such a seamless transition to go from fullback to winger, as Sergio Roberto did at times, and also from center back to right back, as Minguesa does. And to me, if you can do that, and again, like you said, 7 out of 10 performances, that's what we need from the non-superstar players, because the superstar players can have moments of brilliance that will do that. We need the consistency on defense going there. Now, to me, you know, going forward, let's say, you know, with, let's say when PK gets back, what do you see Minguesa's immediate future? Do you see him staying on the team or do you see him going back to Barca B? I sincerely hope he stays in the first team because I think we need to start getting rid of some bodies that are, that are taking up huge wages. And if we look at players like Minguesa, Sergio Roberto, if you've effectively got cover at three positions in one player, then, you, then you're winning already. If you've got three positions covered in a player that costs you in, relatively ter- in relative terms very, very little, I would be amazed if Minguesa's wage is a third of what Jordi Alba's getting, just as one example. I'd be baffled. I don't know what it is, but you know he, he will ultimately be on Barca B wages. So I think his, his role for me would be, I'd like to think that we wouldn't need him as our number one centre-half, less so our number one right-back. But he is someone for me that can come in and, and have a very good career at Barcelona, same as Sergio Roberto has. But we, we're hoping that he will keep improving. And if he can be a 7 out of 10 now, I hope in five years' time we've got a better player. And so I've got high hopes for him as a, as a, as a good, solid first-team player. I don't think we've got the next Gerard Piquet, but I don't think we need it. Yeah. And this brings, what about you? Yeah, well, this brings up another thing, you know, with Sergio Dest on the team being the future right-back, you know, and we have Araujo mm-hmm. in the centre-back. Now, all of a sudden, we have some really good depth on that right and center side, right? Because now we can rotate Minguesa to the right yeah. for Dest when he needs a spot start for that. And we don't lose that much, right? Now, obviously, I think Dest is the future. I think he's just a, a more potent right back. But again, you don't lose that much with Minguesa going there. Now, like we just talked about, Minguesa's Barca B contract ends in June. So if he's given a first-team contract next season, let's say, where will that put Sergio Roberto's future going forward? Well, hopefully he will be where he should have always been, which is as a midfielder. That's my hope. You know, and, that, and that's, that's why I get so big on the Sergio Roberto hype train and love train, because that guy sacrificed his career. He's a midfielder. He's an attacking midfielder at that, you would argue. And he's played right back for the peak years of his career. That guy's given more, more for that jersey than a significant amount of players that have come through, got paid more, got lauded more, got cheered more. The guy sacrificed his peak year. So I hope he goes in there as a midfielder uh, and he doesn't need to play right back anymore. Yeah. That, that's my hope. Um, Sergio Roberto is a very, very, very good player. Yeah. And he, I, I, would be, I would be upset if we lost him. Yeah. And he came into the match after injury. So it will definitely give us some more strength in the midfield because now all of a sudden we have someone that understands our positioning that much better. And, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that's the future of, of Busquets' position. You know, that, that's an option that 
is probably worth exploring just because of how adaptable I think he would be. In time, we, we need more of those players. We need less drama. We need less players who blow hot and cold. Sergio Roberto, Minguesa, these players, uh, they're going to be vital for the next 10 years at this club as we ride headfirst into a financial wilderness. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And again, we're very excited. You know, it's 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 just crazy how three months ago, you know, with all the injuries to our back line, we didn't have this luxury. And now just because of playing time and using La Masia, all of a sudden we're very excited about the crop. Now, Craig, we're going to get into the biggest news of the week, obviously, with the Barca finances. How is Barca going to refresh this roster for the following year when they're in such debt? We're going to talk about that and talk about our ideas of how Barca can do that after the break. Sure, you're listening to this episode, and that's great. But if you're like most people, you don't listen to every single episode. So we figured we could give you the next best thing. Our newsletter is a brief but descriptive rundown of the current week's episode delivered to your inbox every Wednesday. Now you can stay tuned in to the commentary and analysis we do here, even when you're not actually listening to the show. Just look in the show notes for a link to sign up for the newsletter. All right, we are discussing the biggest news of the week, which has to deal with Barca's finances. And again, FC Barcelona's finances were released, and to everyone's shock, especially me, $1.2 billion owed, right, to 19 different clubs, right? And $300 million needs to be paid off, essentially, by the summertime. This is one of the major faults of Bartomeu's regime. It's just the wheeling and dealing that was completely out of control, right? And now with the upcoming elections, this is a major major point that's going to affect the club going forward there's a distinct possibility we cannot go for elite players for the next two to three seasons especially with no crowds allowed at the camp no let's talk about one of the ideas that we have for refreshing and strengthening this roster using la masia and furthering develop these players more so what should be kind of those first moves that we do with la masia going forward especially this season, ending this season, and starting next season? Yeah, I mean, I think this season's been a really good acid test in terms of where La Masia players can be. Not not where they are, but where they can be. And I think you look at players like, you know, Minguesa that we just spoke about at length, coming in and playing well. Um, there's obviously a, a big clamour for Ricky Pooch to get more game time. And, he, you know, he, he's looked good when he's played. He's He's been very unfortunate that he's looked not as good as Pedri yeah. but to be fair Pedri is potentially the form player of the league at the minute but he's certainly come in and uh, and, and done himself a lot of favours so it, it can happen we, we, we've had players come in and shine there's players like uh, Collado who's in who's in Barca B who could come in and do a job I think if we're looking at goalkeepers going why not promote from within if you look at how many games on average Tesh Degen's going to play is it, is it really going to be something that costs us that badly so I think the board need to be very clever about this. And I don't know how the fans will take this, but if it looks like we're not going to win the league unless something silly happens, let's just start playing the kids. Would I rather win nothing, enjoying the football and bleeding some kids? Yes, I would. So I think what we, what the club need to do is take a very honest assessment of where the finances are, a very honest assessment of the players that we need to get rid of and start using La Masia to fill those holes sooner rather than later because eventually... We aren't going to find a Araujo or a Minguesa who can slot in seamlessly. We're going to find players in the past like Captoom who can't do it. I think there's a very difficult decision to be had for the board about how La Masi is used. Youth, money, how they fit together. Big questions. I don't have any big answers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in tonight's match, you know, you have, you know, players whose salary is under six million. We're talking Pedri, Araujo, Minguesa. They had good performances tonight. And that's the things that you're looking for, right? Obviously, we want to compete for all three, you know, competitions. We know we can do that. I just think there has to be further connection 
with the sporting director and the manager to use, promote, and further develop La Masia into the senior team to use those positions in the backup because that ultimately is going to take us out of this economic hell because if we can get two more players on the bench from La Masia, then all of a sudden we cut those wages and we can pay off that debt sooner, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, your, your football club is something that inherently you need to make sure that it's in a position that you can hand down to your grandkids, never mind your kids. You know, the, the, the pursuit of success can't, it can't be everything because ultimately the club has to be sustainable. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, part of our plan here is to use La Masia that we already have to control costs with above average players, right? And the other thing we want to look yeah. at is La Liga talent that we could we could sign at cost that are looking to make the next step. Now, in my past experience looking at free agents and so forth, I never want to sign free agent midfielders because I just think they have a hard time integrating themselves with Barca, understanding the system, the tiki-taka and all that stuff. We see it takes a long time for them to develop. Mm. What I want to address is the attacking third and the defense. Because I think those are the holes that we can definitely plug in with using La Liga economical players. Now, tonight, for example, against Athletic Bilbao, we don't have a strong number nine. We don't have a strong person at the top, right? You've highlighted someone from a lot of Levante. So, yeah, so the, the, the player that struck out to me was, was Jorge de Frutos. So from, you know, from, from a statistical point of view, he's got two goals and eight assists. His passing accuracy sits around 70%. He's 23, so he's got time to grow. You know, we, we always need to look through the prism as well. Of if we're taking someone from Cadiz, from Huesca, from Levante, from anyone other than Getafe, <laughs> um, you, you we're looking that, that they will get better immediately because they'll have more of the ball, they'll have less pressure, their mistakes in theory should count for less. And so his his stats already would put him higher than someone like Coutinho, for example. Now we can argue Coutinho's been away, he's come back, injuries, this, that, the other. But my, my point is this. What we should be looking for isn't the next Coutinho or the theory behind Coutinho. Yeah. And I look at them stats, two goals, eight assists, circa 70% um, passing accuracy, 23 years old, 4 million euros. If that doesn't scream, get rid of Coutinho yeah, and yeah. bring this guy in. I don't know what does because Coutinho barely contributes anyway. So so that that's the first one that stands out for me if that was a, if that was available. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good pick. I watched Levante yesterday against Madrid. And he definitely stood out as one of those players. Now, let's go into the de- defense, right? And I think this is where we found some really good gems. Uh, you know, I think they're available. And more importantly, I think they could immediately make an impact. So who's your first defender that you found? The first person I would look at is Sergio Ramos. But I, I wasn't sure I was prepared for all the tweets I would get. I went for that. <laughs> but but, but uh, in a similar vein, so I, I think Oscar Duarte stands out. So again, at Levante. And for me... Where I see huge positives at the minute in our team is that our defence is looking very, very young. But that obviously brings with it a, a risk. Uh, we need we need experienced bodies around them. PK obviously is is contracted here for a while, um, but he's picking up more and more injuries, as, as his age would suggest. Whereas Duarte, so he's, he's 31. He's had six seasons in, in La Liga, and before that he was playing regularly at Champions League and international level. He's on a free transfer in the summer. I don't expect he's on huge wages. And the big thing for me is that even despite playing in Levante, he's, he's got the 10th best defensive dual percentage wins in the Liga this year. So he's a proven defender. And I think having him around the squad, having some experience to get these young guys working professionally, understanding, reading the game, I think that is something that we should look at. And, and my strategic avenue would be if we think Umtiti is a liability now, 
Let's get Umtiti off the books. Let's get some money back. We can sell Umtiti. People will buy him. He's, he's worth money. Let's get Umtiti off the books in terms of his salary. Let's get the money we can get for him. Let's bring someone like Duarte in. He knows the league. He's been in the city before at Whisper It Espanol, but he's you know he knows he knows he knows La Liga. He knows the city of Barcelona. He's proven he can do a job. He's seven out of ten because of the two things: the free transfer, and also just the amount of seasons he's played. And you know, it's one of those things: is when you're on a below average team and you're ranked on a high defender, that says a lot because you're going to be mm-hmm. under attack quite often, right? Especially yeah. with not having the support of a midfield. Because when we think of good midfields, Levante is definitely not on the top tier of midfield. Right. So they're going to have a lot of counterattacks and they're going to have a lot of 1v1s. So I thought that was a good one. My guy that I looked at was Pacha Espino from Cadiz. He's Uruguayan. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he would be a great replacement for Alba or push Alba to that. I think mm. he's a very talented uh, left back, solid defender, obviously not as attack savvy as Alba. But I think he makes the right decisions more often than not. His estimated value is only at $2 million. And more importantly, I just I was watching video on him and just the way he's positioned himself, he's physical. You know, this season he's made 18 appearances with two yellow cards. So that to me also tells me that he's disciplined. And again, on yeah. a team like Cadiz that is not so talented, to be able to be disciplined in that aspect and not giving a lot of goals, to me that is a player that I find really attractive. And I think, like we always talk about, being with those other superstars, I think could elevate his play even further. And that could be a real steal. And that's the, the other thing, and you know, for anyone who's listened to this and thinks, well, the, these players aren't particularly sexy, that's the point. That is the point. And so I think he's a great pick. I think that's what these guys represent to me. It's a, it's a changing of thought in terms of let's have bodies that can come in and do a job for us when we need them. Let's, let's not have Messi playing against Rayo in the Cup. It's ludicrous at this age, but we need it. For sure, for sure. And and the thing is, like, in tonight's match against Athletic Bilbao, if, quote-unquote, you want to be more defensive, then Espino can come in and take Alba's place and be more solid in a defensive position where you're not losing the physicality and you have more confidence on that defense. Now, you have a a good choice here because this is one of my uh, pillars that I, I die on every season. The second goalie should be a La Masia product. You have Ter Stegen as a top-tier goalie, one of the best goalies in the world. And yes, he could get injured, but I have the confidence that I want to develop a goalkeeper, but more importantly, the economic price. And you have someone that you want to talk about here because I think it's a good plan, dumping Neto for this type mm-hmm. of goalkeeper that is more economical and just as good. I've highlighted Alvaro Fernandez at Wesker. So he, he's got an average of one goal conceded per game across both the Premier and the Secunda. He's got he's conceded 13 this season. An average of one goal per game might seem high. Maybe it's probably average, but it might seem high. He's at Wesker. Yeah. Imagine how many shots a game they con- they must have against them. And the other thing that stands out for me is, as well as the fact he's conceding relatively few goals, he's young, he's very cheap, so he's 22, and he's, he's, his estimated value is 3 million euros. But he's good with his feet. So if we're looking at, at a quote-unquote Barca goalkeeper... His short passing accuracy is at 98% and his long passing is at 70%, so he can use his feet as well. Am I suggesting he's as good as Stesh Degen? No, but again, he doesn't need to be. I actually would prefer your point, to be brutally honest, which is promote someone. If they're going to sit on the bench for 85% of the season, why are we why are we throwing good money? Is Neto probably has the, the wage of a half-decent left-back that we need. I, I just... 
I just hope these are the moves that we make. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, this is going to be a, a super complicated problem because you're going to have Kool-Aid's who want all the sexy players and always being the top team winning 5 nothing every game. And that's just not the reality right now. We have to, you know, basically just ride the youth for these next two seasons and just see if we could just get through this storm become you know balance the sheets and then go forward and just be sound with the type of players we sign going forward this upcoming week has barca playing a pair of away games we will see if barca can advance to the next stage of the copa del rey craig what will we be looking for in the granada match which is the next stage of the copa del rey that midweek i I think that the the team selection will be the one that stands out for me how serious after his comments midweek about we we not we're not set up to win much I'd be intrigued to see how Kuman reacts in terms of his team selection for this one. Yeah, I think that's a great point because we saw in the Rio match, he went with the younger team, more, more inexperienced, and then all of a sudden in the 80th minute, he brought in the Gunners, right? So it'll be interesting to see what he does at the at the onset. And then on Sunday, Barca travels. They should just stay south, obviously, this week because they're going to be the same. <laughs> they're traveling again to Sevilla to take on Real Betis. And what about for Betis? What do, you, do you have a quick takeaway for this match? Yeah, they're always a team I fear. In Betis, they always try and play good football. So for me, the key to that will be uh, what we get out of Frankie de Jong. Is he going to sit back like he did today? Or is he going to move forward and we'll see what we've seen, you know, the things that we were lauding on this podcast. So it's Frankie for me in that one. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, with our history of this season playing against these teams, we've had really good goal output. So the first game, we won 4 nothing against Granada and La Liga. And then in Betis, we won 5-2. So I'll be interested to see if we can kind of get that confidence uh, with our attacking and that swagger. So again, more matches this week and we'll see. So you'll get all those reactions in depth discussion from our American team, our USA team. And until next week, Forza Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.